The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Arlen Suderman joins us with SC Stone. And Arlen, I guess it is the elephant in the room, shall we say. The the crop tour continues. They've moved out of Nebraska. I've seen some pictures on social media of some big corn ears in Iowa. So when you guys look at this, are they the reason for the lower prices? They really are. And part of it's the numbers. Part of it's the fact that with the tour going on all week long, all the traders are watching it. Some of them are actually on the tour. Uh, it keeps the focus on the supply side of the domestic balance sheet. So that becomes the focus. And since the results have been generally favorable, that means a bearish tone for the markets. Now, there's other factors at work as well, but that's the primary thing this week, and that's what we feared coming into the week, that if the trade found, num- or, you know, is reporting numbers, if the tour is reporting numbers that seem to confirm USDA's projections of big corn and soybean crops, that that would be bearish for us through the week, and that's so far how it's played out. Where the areas were that we expected good crops, they've been generally better than even was expected, and where variability was expected to really drag down those yields in some areas of the of the country, the Midwest. The variability has been there, but once they average all the samples together, I think they're even surprised at how high those average yields are. So let's keep in mind that they don't see the entire Midwest. They don't go everywhere. They have the same routes that they follow year in and year out, and for consistency basis, that's what they need to do. So Measuring or or assessing their results against USDA is not the right way to approach this. Measuring it against last year's results and against the three-year average tour results is the way to go. And the numbers this year are coming in way above both of those uh, measures. Now, keep in mind that last year the Pro Farmer Tour significantly understated the, the size of the crop, like most everyone else. And that's largely because we were in the middle of a very mild August, and then we had a very late frost. We had a very long grain fill period. And the crop was relatively immature when the tour happened. So a lot of yield got added via depth of kernel, etc., after the tour happened. This year's crop is nearing maturity, especially in southern and eastern areas where some of it's already black layer. So we're not going to be adding much yield to what they're finding this week. This is for the corn crop anyway. This is what you see is what you're pretty much going to get. And so I guess from a, that standpoint, that's an important thing to point out. You know, we had, I had some producers yesterday, they were questioning, as they came through Nebraska, they said, well, they made it sound like our whole state is hailed out. And I said, no, you got to remember, it's that specific corridor that they were in. Yes, it had some hail damage. That all gets factored in, causes for some nervousness, maybe? Yeah, and one of the things that I've observed is typically you can watch Twitter and see as the various groups who are on the tour are posting pictures. And I find that when I watch those pictures, I get an impression of what the day's yields are going to be. And then when I look at the results at the end of the day, when they all meet together and they average their their data together, that the yields come in higher than I expected. And I think there's a bit of a bias 
to post the pictures of the worst case scenarios and the problem areas and not so much to post the really good stuff. And so um, while it's helpful to look at the reports that they post, like the hail damage and, and where there's tip pullback, et cetera, that get posted, uh, take it with a grain of salt and, and put it in perspective of the numbers that are reported at the end of the day. So how much, I'm, and this is just me being curious, how much has social media played into you guys? looking at it when you think, you know, even five, six years ago, it wasn't such a popular thing to follow. I I use it as one more tool in assessing things. And uh, it is certainly not uh, the end all as far as kind of gaining an idea of what the size of crop is. Um, But it does help us maybe identify some problems we weren't aware of or where some things might be happening that we weren't aware of. Um, but like like I was saying on what's getting posted this week, what gets posted tends to be the worst stuff, not the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And so what we rely on heavily is our clients. Our clients are spread throughout the Midwest, and they have agronomists that are in the fields. Um, they're talking to farmers. They're seeing it themselves. And, we're, you know, we have a pretty good coverage across the Midwest. And so when we survey our clients and say, what are you seeing? And and we talk on basically a weekly basis across the company, but our brokers are talking to clients on a daily basis. What are you seeing? And that tends to give us the best picture. And that was summarized in our August 1 survey that came up with corn and soybean yields that were almost identical to what USDA reported on August 10th in in their crop report. So that's been very valuable for us. Step away from the crop report. Before we uh, head to commercial break here, weekly ethanol production was up 1,000 barrels per day higher. What's the motivation behind that? Well, we have been seeing some good, strong ethanol production. Margins haven't always been like what we'd like to see them, but they've been good enough to keep the plants operating and to keep them functioning. And corn is relatively cheap, as farmers know. And uh, so that helps those ethanol plants continue to produce and suck that corn through those plants. So we've been seeing good production. And I think USDA needs to raise their ethanol target by probably another 15 million bushels ahead of the end of the market well the end of the marketing year is the end of this month so in the september crop report we'll probably see something along that line and i think they need to raise their export target probably another 30 or 40 million bushels as well so we should see old crop stocks come down a little bit and that goes in then to the number we used for the beginning stocks for the 2018-19 marketing year it starts september 1. Well, stick around, folks. We do have more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up here in just a moment. The question that everybody else is wondering, NAFTA, is it a go? Is it not a go? Where are we at? And Arlen's got an insight into that. We'll also take a look at the happenings on the livestock front as well. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman is joining us with FC Stone. So I think the other elephant in the room besides this crop tour that's going on is NAFTA. We do know that there has been continued negotiations and discussions between the U.S. and Mexico. It all seems to be coming down, Arlen, at this point to automobile parts. But do we have a deal or do we not yet with Mexico? 
Yeah, was, this morning I was coming into work with some of one of the major business networks was reporting that um, we have a handshake deal. In other words, a framework had been agreed to between Mexico and the United States. And the next step would be then to simply invite Canada to join in and you've got an AFTA agreement. U.S. Trade Representative's office says, hold on, we don't have a deal. We've got some major issues of disagreement yet. Mexico's the trade negotiator says, oh, we can deal with all of that. That's all. Those are all things we can work on in the next hours and days as we work on the NAFTA discussions. You know, we've got this in hand. So there's a little bit of disagreement, and I think the bottom line is Mexico's eager to say there is an agreement. And, and I think that states something uh, from our standpoint it's positive. I would suggest that means we have an edge in the negotiations. If Mexico is feeling the political pressure at home to have an agreement in hand, that's a very positive. And, and that gives us a lesson, too, why President Trump took the opposite position on the negotiations with China that started today and said, you know, don't, don't expect much out of these talks. Because as soon as he starts building up expectations, that gives China the edge in the negotiations. And that's what Mexico did, uh, is built up expectations at home and what President Trump is trying not to do in the China talks. Um, so just, I guess it's the, the art of the deal, so to speak. And, uh, and today it created a little confusion in the markets. I can't wait for the day when social media goes absolutely exploding with we have a deal. <laughs> that well what most significantly and we could be limited up for a couple of days uh, very possibly look at the fact that u.s soybeans if you look for fob prices freight on board prices and at the u.s gulf versus the port in in brazil the only other source of soybeans right now august delivery september delivery october delivery november delivery we are a dollar eighty to two dollars per bushel cheaper than brazil the day that there's a deal uh, a trade agreement that has to come together um, I say never say have to in the markets, but that's what you would think is those two have to come together and would come together by Chinese buyers instantly wanting to buy U.S. soybeans and Brazil price collapsing, trying to hang on to the business. Um, so short run, that should be good business for uh, soybeans. Long run, I still have some real problems with getting too bullish soybeans, but we could have some big days early on in the soybean market. Longer term, I think that deal is going to be good for U.S. corn, probably U.S. ethanol, crude oil, and liquefied natural gas as well um, so yes I'm looking forward to that as well and and we just have to be cautious because just as uh, we heard the reports this morning that we had a deal with Mexico we need to make sure it's a legitimate claim too very much so jumping over to the livestock side the cattle market it's got a few reports getting ready to be thrown at them at week week's end they really do, particularly the cattle on feed report. I think everybody's watching and wondering how we're going to come out, generally expecting it's going to show continued expansion of supply. It's been amazing how we've done taking care of things. Um, on Monday, we had the cold storage report that uh, I was really encouraged by the last one, showing that even though supplies of pork and beef are continuing to rise, that demand seems to be absorbing that. And when we saw increases, it was generally in line 
rain or or smaller than we seasonally tend to get this time of year. So um, that demand has been there. Export demand we've seen has been strong, and domestic demand seems to be holding in there as well. Even the strength in the box beef uh, lately has been impressive, kind of going up contra-seasonally, suggesting that demand is there, and it's keeping packer margins strong and and uh, keeping us from sinking lower, I think, on the cash market. So, Arlen, is the negativity going to stick around for these hogs? Real concerns there. Uh, we did have a big short covering rally that was pretty impressive as we got into late last week and early this week. And now that short covering is done and the short covering was largely on the African swine fever rumors out of China, uh, hoping for more demand. But that demand, if it happens, will probably be after the turn of the calendar next year. Now we're getting back to reality of sinking cash prices as the supply of hogs is simply too great. And, uh, and and so we continue to sink lower. Just like the grains, the hogs sure would like to see a NAFTA deal taking place. Absolutely. And uh, I think that would be particularly good for that pork market to be able to see that demand come back into Mexico. Best way for folks to reach you, Arlen? intlscstone.com. And, of course, follow you on Twitter at? Uh, Twitter.com slash A-R-L-A-N. F is in Frank, F is in Frank 101. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.